on you last night. No. Very nice. How did they shred the duck? I don't know. It's like, yeah, a little bit shredded and it's kind of like the mince in it, but then there's a big kind of duck patty on the top of the lasagna. It's really nice. Okay, I suppose there's a gamey of meat. That would work with Lolo Hotel it was. Lolo Restaurant. It was really nice. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 12 of The People's Project, where we talk about duck lasagnas. If you haven't supported us yet, if you like our show, you should be putting your money where your heart is, and that is like the fine people who have built these studios. Go to discernible.locals.com. This show costs hundreds and hundreds of dollars every week to make. I pay people to do it. So... $10 a month to come and hang out with me privately in the locals community is well worth it. Ah, uh, yes. So welcome to the show, Dr. Brendan Maloney, duck connoisseur. G'day, Matt. How are you? Good to be back. Hi, everyone at home. Yes. We'll talk more about the duck lasagna. Was there cheese? Yeah, there was yes, cheese in it. It was really nice. We were just having a chat about duck lasagna before, so. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is lasagna with duck. What yeah, I, I'm I, I don't, I don't see that quite working the same texture. You have to really shred really, it. Really, really nice. It's really nice. Yeah. It was in Melbourne, um, Lolo. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, and and EJ Carroll. Hi, Matt. Hi. Who are you? Well, you always promo me as a children's author. I know. I don't know if you want me to still do that. That's fine. Yeah. We could say where you work, so you get fired. No, let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's lovely to have you both on the panel because. Uh, you're both fresh thinkers. I love that. So last week, I don't know if you saw, I was with um, Voice of Victoria, which is great. We talked about Victorian politics, yep. but I'm just tired of it. Yes. And I said to everyone watching, if you're sick of hearing about politics and this kind of mindset, don't worry, because next week we're going to have Dr. B and EJ on the panel. So awesome. how fun. Are you ready to get into this list? This is primarily built by you guys. It's all about wokeism. Yeah, it seems to be a theme that was going through the list. So, um, as you said, and congrats, Matt, on your success as well. I wanted to say that straight off the bat. Um, but yeah, EJ and myself, we kind of came up with a bit of a list and it, there seems to be a theme that we share, EJ, about wokeism. I wasn't sure if you would take my suggestions, but you have. The most 99% straight. Let's get started with the moment that the Indigenous voice to parliament failed. Senator Thorpe, please come to the table to make and subscribe the Affirmation of Allegiance. Senator Thorpe, please recite the affirmation on the card handed to you. I, Sovereign Lydia Thorpe, do solemnly and sincerely affirm and declare that I will be faithful and I bear true allegiance to the colonising Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Senator Thorpe. I'm going to wait for quiet. Senator Thorpe, you are required to recite the oath as printed on the card, so please recite the oath. None of us uh, Senator Thorpe, Senator Thorpe, order. I, Lydia Thorpe, do solemnly and sincerely affirm and declare that I will be faithful and bear true allegiance to Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, her heirs and successors according to law. Uh, Senator Thorpe, please sign the test roll and Senator's roll. I swear this is the moment the Indigenous voice to Parliament died because there are so many Australians out there who want this done, but there are even more Australians who look at that behaviour and go, really? 
Really? I don't know. Uh, I, I posted about this and people are like, hey, how can you be so insensitive? I understand the legal system. I understand the queen is the head of our government and she's there refusing like a petulant child. I won't say it. I won't say it. She, she has to say it to become a senator. Yeah, what do we think of this? I have to say, like, I've thought about this and I'm a little bit split. And I think there's so many dimensions to this. This is about Lydia as a person Ooh. and how you're, per you, you know, a lot of people have an impression of her and she's obviously outspoken and an activist and she has a particular stance and, um, you know, she's mocked by some people, but she's supported by others. So there's Lydia herself. There's, is she representing as a, this protest as an indigenous person, as an environmentalist, as a member of the Greens? Is it about herself? So I was quite interested to see where that angle was coming from. Um, and remember, ultimately, she's representing people and we're paying for, you know, generally for politicians across the board to be part of it. On the other hand, the rebellious Dr. B is like, yeah, go for it. Like, it's throwing a bit of controversy in. Um, but if you're going to go controversy, go full force, you know? Like, How's that not full force? I think, like, just the arm up. Yeah, great. I mean, no, it's a symbol. That's but, a symbol. But, no, but what she said. But tear out pages and rip stuff up. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, you realise that she's a senator of the Australian Parliament under the Crown. And that's the thing as well, Matt. So, like, I think, like... I think she's got a bit, uh, actually a, a, a pretty decent point. Whether she's made it the way people want it to, I'm not sure. But I think, why are we swearing allegiance to um, to the, the Majesty or whatever? And also, you know why? That's I just I, I know why. There. But I mean, it, it comes with the whole kit, like um, the pedophilia, the the the. What's uh, pedophilia got to do with oh, that? No, no, it's the royal family itself. Oh, yeah, the royal family being dodgy. Yeah, yeah you know, Andrew and um, bags of money and all this kind of stuff, I think is not where we want to be as a country. So personally, I kind of resonated with that message. But the way, the sulky manner, that just kind of didn't do it for me, I have to say, it's an aesthetic of, <laughs> of rebellion. <laughs> but what we're after is a referendum to make this voice yep. happen. Yep. And that means you need to get a majority of people in a majority of states, which yep. means you need to get some of those, what, I don't think this is correct, but some of the accusations of the crusty, white, colonialist, yep. Yep. believing suburban families, you need their vote yep. to get this through. That is going to piss them off. I agree. I mean, th th again, this is for me is a quite, I mulled on this quite a bit and it's complex because I think she is part of the system. So pretending she's not part of the system is kind of a bit of a joke because there's there's a formality and civility that you have to follow if you're in part of that that group of parliamentarians and um so don't be part of that system if you don't want to be part of it yeah but her argument which thing is probably a sound one is that you need to get into the system to change it yeah see i think that's where i probably differ from from her view i don't think the system's capable of being reformed from within and we can see that just time and time again that um and also Honestly, I think people who come from, um, you know, interested in uh, communism or socialism are just interested in power at the end of the day. And I just want their money. And, I, you know, as much as there may be some sincerity, but it'll be first show me the paycheck. <laughs> the will to power. The will, yep. There is an interesting divide here, though, because uh, Jacinta Price has also been elected to our parliament recently. So now we have two Indigenous voices. Well, um, there's more. OK, I'm simplifying it. But two that the media are focused on. Jacinta Price is coming from a more conservative place, I guess, uh, quite different to Lydia's approach to the parliament. It seems to me though that it's okay to like Lydia, 
and to smash the, the horrible colonial system, which might have some merit, that argument, put that aside. But it's not okay to stand with Jacinta Price because mm -hmm. then I'm just a crusty old white man. Jacinta Price has a, a grace about her, the way she goes about it. Mm. Even though she might have fire in the belly, she's got ice on the head. So I I've think it's a it's a um, rugby term, I think. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I think that Lydia's comments are really divisive, and I think she's got this ever-present desire to just always be offended. She's not trying to move forward as a collective nation, um, and I also think she doesn't remember that she's um, her constituency is also non-indigenous people, and there are primarily. Well, yeah, and there's indigenous people who don't agree with her as well. So she's. She's got a voice for maybe some people, but it's not for everybody. And when you're in parliament, you're representing everybody. So well, this is my point is like, where's the line between say activism and being a representative? And that's why I don't think they're kind of um, often possible to meld together. And that's what people get upset, like whether it's Pauline wearing a burqa or Lydia raising her, um, her fist. I think there's, that's a, good point. there's, a, there's a, a reasonably low tolerance for this kind of um, bringing your issues into this place. And I guess, you know, if you're acting out of individual conscience, then I'm not sure that this is the um, uh, place to kind of grandstand and do this. And I think, I did, actually, to tell you the truth, didn't, I mean, maybe I'm just being a bit um, Dr. B quirky, but um, I didn't link it to the voice referendum. I actually just thought she was just being contrarian as she always is yeah. <laughs> in terms of That's signing up to, but I think you're right when you said that Matt so yeah well it's it's quite an interesting uh, point you raise that there's a level of our own hypocrisy we need to check because if you loved Scott Morrison bringing coal into parliament hmm. and you loved Pauline Hanson wearing a burqa to point out the but you hated Lydia Thorpe doing it they're all the same they're all stunts okay? the theatrics yeah yeah okay good point well maybe we should go with stop all the theatrics yeah, I don't know. Like, it's like I said, I'm. I'm you like the theatrics? You want everyone to go in there and? Yeah, I would love to <laughs> just have a bit of biff, roll the dice. It's, it is enjoyable to watch. It's time, like someone jumped over the table and started <laughs> smashing heads, isn't it? Um, <laughs> well, let's talk yeah. about the seriousness of this voice to parliament uh, thing, though, because hmm. if you consider what we're actually suggest, what's being suggested, the Albanese government is going to bring this referendum on. It's to insert into our constitution, and we must remember that our parliament system is sits underneath the constitution. It's not of equal weighting. The parliament serves the constitution in a way, or it's bound by it. It only exists because the constitution creates the parliament. If we insert this indigenous voice, which is supposed to bring uh, advice to the government mm. into the constitution, they're saying, look, it won't legislate because the parliament still has to legislate. But at law, there's a technicality here. The constitution says they have a voice. They had provide advice to Parliament. Parliament says, no, we're not going to do that. Mm. We say it's a crazy thing. We're not going to do that crazy thing. There's room to go to the courts to say, mm. this is a body that exists super to Parliament. We need to give due voice. The, the courts could mm. undo some of this and force some of their advice through. So I'm concerned that we're not actually creating another House of Parliament like they do in some other places. Uh, we're not even providing affirmative action. Like I'm Maori, I'm mm. from New Zealand, indigenous mm. New Zealand, Aboriginal to New Zealand. And we have affirmative action to push us up in parliament, which I don't like, but you know, I have privileges in New Zealand. Mm. We're not even talking about that. We're talking about inserting something above the parliament. Mm. That concerns me from a legal point of view. Mm. I think for me, uh, it's, it's just general fluffiness of the idea of a voice. Like I think 
a constitution sets out the basic rules that, or the blueprint of a nation. Yep. So it says, you know, if there's um, uh, trade or your armies or your security or whatever, or the relationship between states and um, the Commonwealth and this kind of stuff. When you get into kind of voiciness, <laughs> I feel like that's really moving the, the whole tone of the constitution into a different direction. Personally, I would like to see Indigenous recognition in the constitution because I think... Um, see, perhaps agreed, but what does recognition mean? So if we're creating some kind of supranational body, that's what I'm saying I have yep, a problem with. Yep. But if we're just saying they were here first, yep. we did X, or not even we, or yep. Asian, <laughs> yep. but we did it, yeah, that's different from creating a body that can control and that's that's where i agree with you i think it's dangerous this kind of um fluffiness as i call it like a a, this woke sensibility that um is shifting the tone of a lot of institutions as well i think like i think um it's a good uh initiative to start thinking about indigenous people and the relationship that um uh, that they have with the constitution and there's a lot of great uh, uh, Aboriginal academics, like I've met Marsha Langton before, and I was quite impressed with her views and all this kind of stuff. And I'll be speaking way out of my depth to get into anything sure. like that. But I would be thinking it would be their contribution of Indigenous people as the collective um, to kind of articulate. And I guess the Uluru statement from the heart is somewhat along those lines. But this feels a bit more along the lines of um, creating danger uh, for for a whole splintering off of the way Parliament operates, the Constitution operates, and let's face it, last couple of years we haven't really had a Constitution anyway. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. Yep. It'll probably fail if, um, yeah. and this is not from me. This is from I think it was the, the Labor Minister responsible. I'm using point but the head of the person to push this voice to Parliament. I was head of the committee putting the recommendations, building it, I think. Anyway, said this will fail if we give people the full information. I don't understand. It. Like, do you understand the but referendum I, as well? Like, I understand the referendum, but his argument, he's mm. trying to push it through, but his argument is if we give the people of Australia the full knowledge, the full reality of this, this blank check kind of thing, then they will knock down this referendum. That's and I think enough. he's correct, um, but he's making a, a, a reference to the the population's a little bit ignorant. They're mostly white. They're going to reject it. And mm. Australians have shown referenda fail mostly. Mm. So his tactic is to keep it really quiet. Don't give them the full. Make it voicey. Make it nebulous, mm. and then let it pass, and, and we'll go with that. So that's an interesting. Kind of like not sharing the health advice. We don't need to know. Yes, but it, it might enable you to get it through by not showing the health advice. He was mm. able to just do it anyway. Mm. But I think we get treated like we're silly. Like, we can't handle the information. Why that's can't we know everything? Yeah. That's right. Okay. Well, that's... that's. Um, uh, i just say a couple of quick um, things on the, the, the referendum. Um, what's your feeling? Is it going to get up? Well, if you listen to the Labor guy in charge of it, he's saying that uh, if the full information comes out, Australians will reject it because they've always been conservative with referenda. If you listen to other people, they're saying, no, educate, 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 it will get across. Um, others, what's her name that we just watched? Lydia Thorpe has said herself that it will probably fail. Right. She's already come out saying it will fail. And right. her reasoning is because there are too many activists on the other side agitating for it to fail. So if I listen to the people who want the referendum, they're all saying it's going to fail. For various reasons. Yeah, I mean, I guess it ties into some upcoming conversations about, you know, uh, rights and equality and stuff like that, I suppose. But um, 
I am quite interested to yeah see well, how we'll this see what happens. happens yeah. I think that does not help. As I said, it doesn't matter how out of touch you think the Rust Belt is, you need their votes. If you want this thing to pass, don't do that. You're going to tick them off. One, one thing I would just want to add on that Lydia one is that there should be consequences for that. I mean, I think this is, uh, and I'm going to flag this ahead, is there's just an encroaching politics in every facet of life, unchecked, unabated. You can just do anything nowadays in any situation. And I just don't think that's a healthy thing. So I think there should be actually consequences for um, for her kind of high school-y rant. Yeah, well, you're contradicting yourself now. I thought you wanted more theatre, not less. semi-enjoyed but you want to pull up on it. Well, I just think for the health of the institutions that they need to put themselves into check. But, yeah. you know, personally, I'd like to see them disintegrate. So <laughs> <laughs> that's where we are. All right, let's go to sport. Let's talk about the rugby seven. It says Australian rugby league players to boycott game after being forced to wear the LGBT themed rainbow jersey. You hear that? Forced. They have no other choice but to have to wear it um, or they're not allowed to play. So here it is, right? Seven Australian rugby league players from mainly uh, Warshawn Sea Eagles committed to boycotting a crucial match after their team announced they would wear the rainbow-themed LGBTWXYZ jerseys to show support for inclusivity and diversity. Remember, they don't believe in diversity either because if you say, I believe in straightness, I believe in uh, in in exclusively um, man and woman relationships, then you will be shouted down and you will be called a bigot, right? The, uh, the manly uh, warring sea eagles made headlines last week when they announced they would be the first team in Australia's National Rugby League, the NRL, to wear pride shirts to promote the LGBT WXYZ agenda. The manly warring sea eagles will proudly wear the rainbow detailed jersey to celebrate inclusiveness during our round 20 game against the Roosters at Four Pines Park, the team said in a statement the seagulls have today unveiled the everyone in league jersey a collaboration with uh destiny sport the jersey will be worn against the sydney roosters at the four pines park on thursday july 20th today the team added i don't i said rugby seven i don't even know what i don't understand sport i don't know if that's the right words but anyway seven uh nrl players refusing to wear the pride jerseys and i've since now discovered thanks to our director out there he's just told me that they've rolled over and they will wear it in the future but anyway so being forced to wear pride jerseys what say you i i love that they stood up against it i call them the manly seven for a different reason i think it's very manly very um, very courageous, honourable. Not bigoted and homophobic? No, they're men of conviction. I loved it. I was very excited when they did that. I think Israel, Israel Flower paved the way, though, and he was sort of the first person to break that. But, um, I mean, would you make a gay player wear a cross? Would you make an Indigenous player That's wear an Australian flag if they didn't want to? Point. So why does sport have to be about this? We're having this agenda shoved down our throats to the point where it's making people want to throw up now. I think it's too much. I can't walk into the bank. I can't go to work. I can't go to the shops without seeing it everywhere. And so people are getting turned off it because it's too much. It's not, I don't think it's about equality anymore. I think it's about superiority. Really? And I think, yeah. I so think. you, because when I raise that kind of a um, discussion, proponents of it say, yes, but they've suffered for so long. Mm -hmm. It's a pendulum. It's required to really ram home we have to support all the Pride Days and Pride Marches and everything. Mm -hmm. 
you're not buying to that. Well, did anyone enjoy the forced ram home vaccine mandates over the last two years? I mean, over and over and over again, this indoctrination, it's just, it makes you sick, like spiritually sick. I'm just, I'm sick of it. Okay. Yeah. You think there's going to be a reaction? Well, I, I, I see... Looking around society, like you say, when I go into Bunnings, uh, you know, I'm being told everywhere about pride, uh, gay pride. Um, I get the sense that if you, uh, oh, turns out Manly 7 said they will not wear it and they shut down any reports saying that they will. Okay, so they're still remaining manly. You're excited again. Very. If you look <laughs> at society, you look at media, it seems to me we, it must be about 35% of the population identifies LGBTQ. You shake your head. Nowhere near it. No. It must be. Because if you come out and say, I'm not gay, Mm -hmm. or I don't believe in gay marriage, or um, I I don't think gay, like what what you're saying, gay issues are being shoved down our throat too much, Mm -hmm. you're automatically pigeonholed as fringe minority, Mm -hmm. right? Do you know how many gay people are actually in Australia? I guessed. I guessed it before. You guessed it. There's Tony around the corner. And there's, <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> uh, and there's nothing wrong. I, I'm not having a go at, at being gay. I'm saying is it's misrepresented in media. So I went to Rainbow Health Australia. This is a Victorian program that supports lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, diverse, intersex, and queer health through research, knowledge, translation, training, resources, and like it's just too much gobbledygook. Just say what you do. Anyway, so they're not overplaying these numbers, right? They are saying that. Three percent of Australians identify mm-hmm. as LGBTQ, but if you're under twenty-five, it rises to four percent. And I was saying before that if four percent identify that way, but forty percent or more identify as Christian. Christian census forty-three point nine percent. Right. So there's ten times more Christians than there are LGBTI identifying people, and yet these Christian men are told that they have to wear a pride jersey and are getting kicked out of the game for not complying. Well, I get a feel society, societally that if I come out and say, oh, I'm a Christian, Christian issues, Christian, 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 you're a bigot, homophobe, you're, you're fringe. If you come and say, and that's 43% of the population, mm-hmm. but if you come out and say, I'm gay, yep. build me a pride centre. There's something funny about this because uh, you raised a good point earlier. It's not... LGBTQ people primarily screaming. It seems to be a whole bunch of straight people fighting for the 3%. Well, I think, like, EJ makes a really great point, but I don't think it's just the 3%. I think it's a secular versus... um, Well, I don't know, secular versus, but it's a secular trend and a a particular brand of secular liberalism that's saying we want our values to prevail. So it is a fairly significant cultural conversation, I guess, or cultural power play that's going on. They're saying, we have these set of values, which includes, you know, pro-LGBT, I said P. (laughs) I hope you're not a P. Um, (laughs) I'd hate to No, pansexual. Oh, pansexual. So there you go. Sorry, things pansexuals, I gotcha. Um, But I think that that it's this, it's saying, look, you know, we don't have church and state anymore. We have uh, the secular society, which effectively is the state, in my view, that's imposing a particular set of values. And it's going to be, uh, we know them all. They're, you know, um, strict adherence to uh, 
epidemiological um, stuff and health is um, it's your, religious. Your moral view. It's it. What it is is a new form of religion. It's a, it and a new form of sanctimonious, which is judge. I call them the jail, the judgmental and intolerant left, because they're so intolerant. They're so arrogant and judgmental. They can't give anyone a break. So these seven guys, I've heard people, you know, nice people to say, oh, shut up and play and wear the, the jacket. Yes. And it looks like a Centrum kind of <laughs> vitamin kind of jacket. But yeah. I mean, I think, as EJ said, it's up to them. And the point is, oh, they've got like commercial funding on them. Well, it's a little bit different. That, surpri- that supplies um, the, the foundations for their club and their economics to go with. But, but when you describe that sentiment, just shut up and wear the jersey that you've heard, mm. that's exactly what Christian bigots or Muslim bigots or whatever bigot you want to have tries to force yep. their religion. Well, it's, it's, it is a bit ironic. Be diverse. And it's probably some of the most diverse players. Or, um, or you know, uh, respect everybody. But, you know, they're not ultimately respecting those people and their views. But, look, I can see... Um, and I guess the, the backlash is that, you know, gay people, oh, I don't feel accepted, but I think it's fairly superficial. And I, f- I feel like on a deeper level, most um, gay people go, fine, I don't give a shit. We've been, you know, kind of this way for a while. But, you know, I think this whole equality thing is weird. I think this secular kind of, um, I, I don't like the game. of It's like Game of Thrones, the faith militant, you know, they're mm. like, so zealous and so anti-fun and, um, you know, so self-righteous. And to tell you the truth, I'm sick of Melbourne and all the friggin' moral <laughs> virtual signaling. You go everywhere, you're on the track. It's never okay to... Yeah. Um, oh, as if it's never okay. Of course it's okay if you've got some rude... <laughs> Yeah. Never okay to what? What does it say? Oh, it's never okay to get upset with somebody. And yeah. that's the ultimate manipulation. It's trying to suppress people's natural instincts and emotion and take the responsibility for relationships out of their hands and put it into a higher mm-hmm. authority, which is very dictatorial. Called the state. So that's an issue. And then another one is the aesthetics. It's like, you know, when you're, you, you hear a song, probably not so much nowadays, but Remember that song, You're Amazing by You Were Amazing or something? And it was playing all the time, yes, 24-7. every shot. And you go, God, that song shits me. <laughs> Stop playing that song. It's yeah. torture. Is that a pride thing? No, oh, it's, it's just, just like song. a general pop song. Oh, a pop song, okay. So, like, yeah. think of a pop song and they just play it again yeah, and yeah, blast sure, it sure. everywhere you go. And you go, come on, there's other songs in the world. Oh, okay. And I feel like it's the same with this. Now there's rainbow flag stations. There's the shrine that was going to be lit up and then... Pride March coming, 2023, March, but then, no Australia Day March, apparently. Is that the thing? Was no Australia Day March, but a Pride March? Yeah, that's, I think that was... I'm the, not sure if there's an Australia Day March. Sorry, or Anzac Day. I feel like that's it's because Melbourne City Council broke <laughs> because they have no more money left. Yeah. No, but, no, we did for Pride March. Oh, Daniel Pride Andrews March. announces. You should know yeah, you've yeah. been following his Twitter. Yeah, exactly. He said I have. have, I have. And, uh, and his new Minister for Equality. So I'm not sure if you know this, but we do have a Minister for Equality which seems to be, again, just promoting the secular liberal kind of um, particular view of the world and imprinting it on every individual so they have to follow the same kind of gender studies okay. <laughs> kind of class. Well, please explain to me why AFLW player Honey Zerat, Zerat, I'm sorry if I don't pronounce it properly, um, Muslim, also refuses to wear pride jerseys. No problem. No problem. 
Was, if you come it, out and say she must wear it, <laughs> you're anti Nobody watches the. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's nasty, no, but, but she's in the media for this, for saying that she refuses to wear it. And everyone's like, wow, so noble. The noble savage thing. You know how we yeah. used to look down upon, when I was in school yeah. in the 90s, look yeah. down upon Aboriginals in Australia as the noble savage. This yeah. is quite a racist thing that we did. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're like animals, apes, savages, but they're noble. Yeah. Oh, it's a colonizing kind of view. Yeah. We're doing that now to Muslims. They're such a beautiful... They don't really understand, you know, they, 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 in Iran they hang people for being gay, but, you know, it's such a noble religion. Like, well, again, let's treat them like adults. It's and again this collection of values of you're right and you're wrong. It's like a very black and white kind of thing. Like you, um, uh, uh, you know, and it's going to sound completely PC, but that's never been my problem. But, you know, like things like, um, uh, you know... A rugby player that doesn't want to wear um, a jersey with uh, the gay flag on it, wrong. You know, somebody marching down the street with green hair and wanting to convert their child to <laughs> to a different gender. Yeah, that's right. So I feel like all of this is there's a labelling of right and wrong. And if no matter what you are and what you do, if you're a particular category of person and you're acceptable, then everything's going to be permissible. But what all these laws and rules are trying to do is make people good by having these external like rules and laws put on them and thinking oh if we if we can do more and more and more of this people will be good instead of focusing on it has to be an intrinsic thing it's how you're raised it's your moral compass internally like i heard mm. in the philippines i think it's the philippines they want to introduce a bill that it's illegal to ghost somebody so you can't just stop talking to somebody because you don't feel like it you have that's to give them an explanation because that's bullying that's it's, full on it's Unbelievable because people's feelings are being hurt if you get ghosted. So you seeing a, a tendency to try and clothe yourself in, in virtue rather than yep. sort of find virtue within or like, build virtue. Yeah. The more rules, the more laws, the more woke, we're going to become a society that is good. And it, that is not where it's going to come from. It has to come from within. I think you're onto something too. I think like this social credit system that they're clearly trying to bring in is very much... This is a, a, a prelim to this or a, um, uh, a primer. So we set up the moral framework. You set up the... Yes. Like, like, okay, so, you know, I'm uh, following Dan's... Um, the Grand <coughs> Lizard. I don't actually say Dan, so Grand Dan, Lizard. Grand um, Lizard. Thank you. Um, his uh, feed and the, the latest is that there's going to be affirmative consent laws and mm. shelving. Stealthing. Stealthing, sorry, stealthing. What I does stealthing of, mean? <laughs> Stealthing is basically not if, getting consent. No, no. If you're if you're having sex and you deliberately take your condom off without the other partners knowing, then you can be found guilty of that. I, I, I'm I'm pro that law. Well, uh, that's a mean thing to do. Uh, it's a mean thing to do. It's a criminal thing to do, isn't it? You're. But I, I, I don't think so. Like Why? my view Why? is that you can't regulate people's morality. You can't regulate their. Yeah, into relationships. Just, yeah, but if you're relying on that, as, on that as contraception and you deliberately do an evil thing to your partner and yeah. you impregnate them forcibly... Well, what, you know. what about the opposite? Like if a woman says she's on the pill and she is not on the pill and she gets pregnant. I mean, this... You yeah, see, now I'm a hypocrite because I don't think that's a criminal thing at all. Well, there's, there's... I'm infected with the woke mind virus. Well, it seems... Women should be able to do whatever they want is what my I brain is saying. See, this is where you're going. You've got to get on the woke bandwagon. You'll get... <laughs> Lots of viewers as well. Um, just be completely PC. But I just find this repugnant. Like, like, 
who is another person to say like you're in this relationship and then oh no you've got to get a verbal or a blah blah consent and I've heard in some quarters if you're drunk you can't actually give consent so there that goes <laughs> pub culture and Most well there is a solution it's called marriage yeah there it's you called go, don't have Jake. sex before marriage I mean it's but right see, there that that is something that you can't say well I just said it no no <laughs> you can say it on the show no but people you say that in society and say oh no that doesn't count but you're right if, yeah. if you have that old crusty I do this because I think it's actually quite interesting I, I did that with my marriage if you do that it solves a lot of issues yeah. like abortion and anyway hey back onto the topic so we have um, three just the, but the point of all this is to say reality of data and statistics and numbers we have three percent as reported by the rainbow health of people um, identifying as LGBTQ and the, the people who are who are that in my life I find are very tolerant are very reasonable, are very nice. They're not shouty at all. And the people who are doing all the shoutiness are this strange other group who don't identify themselves as LGBTQ, but they somehow like take up this noble savage uh, perspective and they're there to protect this noble LGBTQ group. So 43.9% of uh, people in Australia identify as Christian. 38.9% identify as no religion. So there's your atheist. So a bit lower than Christian. Fiona Patton would be loving that. Well, this is the thing. They try and make it like 90% are non-Christian, 10% are Christian, um, 45% are gay, and 55% are straight. But that's not the truth. That's not what the stats say. It's so true, man. I find the gay people in my life to be so chilled, yep, so loving and open and tolerant. And even though we have different morality views, me and them, yeah. but they're amazing. And the angry militant people, it's never them. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's just people um, wanting to be self-righteous and then picking up on something and... It'll be something else next time. But the thing is, they probably, you know, by their own category, they're uh, bound in privilege. So they've got to kind of identify with an unprivileged group. Oh, that's kind what's of, going on. Kind of, you know... Um, have, you, have you seen in America all the white people bowing down in front of black people yes. saying, I'm sorry. Yes, yes, it's yes. Just yes. It's just bizarre. It's not bizarre. It's what you talk about. There's a religious impulse. People want to be good. Yeah. And this is how they, yeah. they've rejected religion. Fine. Well, maybe not fine, but they've rejected religion. And so now they want to yeah. still fulfill that religious impulse. And this is what they're literally bowing down. That's yeah. what religious people do. And there are, there are um, gay people who hate this whole pride parade thing, yes. drag queen hour for story for kids. and You know what? It's coming home to roost because when you go woke, you go broke. Starting with Top Gun Maverick, which recently passed yet another box office milestone. Top Gun Maverick, this thing's still going after two months in the box office, like 13, 14 weeks, something like that. Still making a bunch of money each and every weekend. Top Gun Maverick passes Avengers and Last Jedi, joins domestic box office all-time top 10. This is a movie that has now grossed nearly $1.3 billion worldwide. A sequel that nobody really asked for 36 years later that captivated the entire world and the entire country simply because they didn't try to preach anything to you. It was just there to entertain you and say, hey, do you wanna be entertained for two hours? Come and watch this movie, please. We want you, regardless of what you believe, to come and be entertained by this movie. And it worked. Same thing with something I've also been talking about, The Terminal List. The Terminal List, which was loved by so many audiences with Chris Pratt adapting Jack Carr's novel, The Terminal List, to put it on Amazon Prime. And what did they do? They didn't try to go one side or the other or 
bash one side or make it political or make it full of identity politics. They just wanted to entertain people and they've done exactly that to the point where I think a lot of people may be surprised to know that a month into the release of The Terminal List, it's still number one. The Terminal List is a very good show with um, Chris Pratt. Yep. Yeah. I haven't seen it, I have to say. It's very, very good, uh, but not work at all. So, okay, work, go work, go break. We, we did a story on ESG scores uh, a few episodes back talking about how Netflix chased the ESG score tank. Now they've decided to ignore the ESG scores coming back up uh, and entertain, which is their job. So some some of these movies like Top Gun who have decided to not be work succeed, some that are work fail. And mm. we just saw a massive one just go down, Batgirl. Did you, did you see that? Yeah, I saw that. Warner Brothers. One of the Toy Story ones as well. Yes, yes, failing as well. So, But this is an interesting one because Warner Brothers uh, shelved Batgirl after spending 70, some say 100 million, but 70 million plus mm. on it in the late stages. It has um, famous people in it like uh, Barbara Gordon, J.K. Simmons, uh, Fre- uh, Malcolm, not Malcolm Fraser. <laughs> Malcolm Fraser, that would be interesting. Be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan Fraser, Brendan Fraser, oh, Leslie yeah. Grace, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton was the original Batman, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so in Batgirl, and they did, they were almost at the end, and they were screening it with audiences, and it did so poorly. Wow. They just, you know, suck it up, sunk cost. Hmm. Hmm. So hopefully they're working out. Work movies are not, I mean, we've all seen this. You watch a show, and it's like Modern Family's, I think, great, because they they normalize, um, they want to push their gay message, but they do it by just having Cam and whatever his name is. Uh, normal people but in other shows they just inject it and they force it down your throat and you can mm. hear it you can feel it you can see it and you're like stop moralizing you know you're being preached to that's why yeah. you don't like it and yeah. it, whether you agree with Cam and Mitch being gay married or not is irrelevant they do it well whereas they, they don't preach it at you yeah Chicago Fire have been doing this lately with the pandemic do you watch Chicago Fire? no but my sister does I've heard it's really good oh, oh it's a lot of hot men what she'd well, like that that's, but that's why Top Gun and the Terminal <laughs> list have done so well it's good looking men yep with guns, drinking beer. <laughs> Being manly is the key, Football, though. country music. Very and masculine. It's extremely conservative and right-wing. And it's. Um, I heard someone describe the terminal list as, what did they say it was? What, bigoted? No, they, they said it was an unhinged right-wing revenge fantasy. That's right. I saw that. Why, why do they call it but that? But that's what the left, this is what the left think of the right. They don't understand the right, but the right understand the left. And... I think they don't take the time to. That's a fair comment. Listen, I think um, there's another actor. His name is escaping me. It's not Ben Affleck. It's the other one. They were in that film they wrote together back uh, in Matt the, Damon. Matt Damon. So Matt Damon had to do a, a, a part for a film where he had to go and spend time in Middle America with people that he'd never been around. Very right-wing conservative Christian people. Was it real? Yeah, he had to spend time with them. I don't know if it was. The movie was based on a real story. No, 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 but Matt Damon really was going to meet real people. He, no, he really actors? went and lived with them. No, real people. What happened to Matt Damon? Um, Matt Damon, you should see his speech on that he gave after he spent time with these people. He said he never understood before and he had such respect for them and they're not who you think they are. This is fantastic. again proving the point that the, the coastal areas, the left wing, yeah. don't understand the, the heartland. Yeah. That'd be like St Kilda doesn't really out understand Ringwood. True. Do, I want to ask about the the the, um, the premise. Do you think go woke go broke? Eventually. I think that's been shown in the data. Yes. I think like like for instance, I I would single out um, Tom Cruise and Top Gun 
as a bit of a black swan, as a bit of an aberration from the normal stock standard. You've got a generational component, so obviously parents, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. now they're saying, oh, we saw Top Gun, it was so cheesy, and Danger Zone, and all that kind of stuff. And now there's a new um, one of this coming out, and go along and see it. Mm -hmm. I think, talking to um, filmmakers and things like this, I think there's a, a real love that there's not a lot of um, effects in that movie. I think there's particular things in that in Top Gun and the story, and obviously wanting to see Tom as well. Okay, so just write him off. Are you saying that the go away, broke, go broke phenomenon is not? Well, real? you've got to say like they tend to, in a sense, be winning. I mean, if you look at that's not, not that's for a different reason though. They start with the institutional power structures in Hollywood. Yeah. They create woke films, but they've already got the money, so they put marketing behind it. That's true. different from grassroots. What what succeeds on the grassroots level? Yeah, true. Yeah, true. But I mean, I think if you look at Netflix, probably 80% of the programming is woke, isn't it? But the fact that they took this pivot and said, we're no longer going to do that. I'm not sure. Like, and, you know, you look at Google, the sloth that they're putting out in <laughs> their advertising is just insulting to common people. So um, you're saying go work, get rich still? Well, I just think, like, I, there's, a, there's a, a hope. Go work, go broke. And, I mean, every failure of a of a woke kind of movie or a yes. politician or a celebrity is like, yes, like this person's gone down. Right. But the cultural tenor still seems to be like we're in this very oppressive Victorian anti-fun, um, just horrible time. Every Like you get talked down to all the time and lectured about like respect women. Like any dumbass knows respect <laughs> women. You <laughs> no, don't right. need to have a huge national campaign. And any dad or mum raising their kids I'm more than likely to say, look, don't go up to Wendy and punch her in the face because yes. it's not the right thing to do. Well, how about you tell feminists to respect men? Well, how dare you? <laughs> look at you on this panel today staring I'm not at me. say that. I will. <laughs> you can. You, you will. For some reason, we're not allowed to talk about women. We don't but, have a uterus. But that's a th that's the thing. Like, I think um, I'm not sure. Like, I think there's a bit of a cultural war. And one thing you were saying before, I think there needs to be like a third ethics. So there's a religious ethics, which I think, you know, not the superficial stuff, but you go deep into theology and religion and spiritualism. They're fascinating. All these religions are immensely fascinating and they give a lot of people um, uh, an ethics for life or a, a, a guide. This new secular, secular liberalism, which is like the Game of Thrones faith militant that is just like our way or the highway, it shouldn't be like the only option. There is a middle option to be secular and and tolerant and have a different perspective, and this is part of the parallel, I guess, is to have that view of the world and not be a complete dickhead about everything, you know? So I think that's what we're missing. So are you aware of um, <clears throat> Aristotle's virtue ethics? Yes. So you know how he posited good people do good things mm. and doing good things makes you a good person so it's like circular yeah. uh, and really now we're just seeing a bastardization of that I think it was very apt what you said people like the tax the rich dress by AOC mm. they're literally trying to use Aristotle's ethics by becoming virtuous by seeming mm. rather than doing yeah and I see that as a very sad phenomenon like it's it's weak like they're searching desperately trying to feel virtuous well these people don't have the maturity I think to kind of um, guide themselves, let alone <laughs> other people. So there needs to be a, a, a middle that is sensible, can provide boundaries and say, hey, kids, 
No, you can't do that. Put away the... Where do you get that from, though? Because you're suggesting we need, like, a, a third time of ethical structure if, if we can count normative ethics in one, two, and three. I don't know if we can. Yeah. But how do you get absolutes? Because traditionally, what you're talking about might be, like, a Gigi Foster route. Professor Gigi, yeah, yeah, a great yeah, that's person. Right, that's right. Someone who takes a very consequentialist approach, like the greatest good for the greatest number. Yeah. Not in the communist sense, but in, in a proper sense. Uh and they're just trying to do the right thing for the for right people and be rational. Yeah. But that is exactly the same ethical structure people like Daniel Andrews use. It's just that I they believe what they're doing. I don't think they do, though. Like, I think there's a... And I really like Gigi's views and um, uh, uh, perspective on the world. But there is a, there's a tradition. So there's the Enlightenment tradition that she's clearly working from and others are working from that we've inherited these things about... Uh, private property and rights and uh, respect and tolerance and all these kinds of things, which also come from religion as well. But that, that's all rooted in religion. Uh, so I mean, a lot of it, but again, the Enlightenment is rooted in religion too. So uh, Yeah, so but, how do you get a third well, that is secular... Well, that is the, the tradition that we've lost. But now we've got this collectivist, um, you know, very uh, dictatorial World Economic Forum... Um, hub and spoke model where they're calling the shots and yeah. then all these governments are... and one thing I was thinking this morning is it's crazy like people are saying oh look they're banning fertilizers in Canada now yeah. and yeah but they've been doing this all along yes, when you've got like 90% vax rates all around the world and I don't want to talk about vax too much but they're all 96 in lockstep. 96 here, give us credit. Well, yeah, they're all in lockstep at the same time. Yeah. Oh, what a bullshit, it's not true but they're all playing from this same thing so these are corrupted institutions that need, we need a majority of people and good, I think majority, the impulse of most people is good just to um, start saying no, putting boundaries up, acting like adults rather than kids. I think this is an important thing. And, but again, I guess I want, don't want to go too far That's off, right. but go, go, bro. No, I'm just I'm not, not sure. You're not sure about it. I'm not sure that we can get to that um, ethical structure that you talk about without some of the old deontological or duty-bound religious structures. Maybe they need to be reformed. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. but, but without them, I feel like we're a little bit lost at sea. I mean, well, we have no ethical basis. And I mean, the thing is, religion provides a very clear guideline, whichever religion. They have, they they have centuries of... <laughs> of values and, state and, and, and principles to live by. The problem is I think we're in flux and principles and values are being negotiated at the moment. And a lot of the ones being proposed, while they may be well-intentioned, are not actually for the greater good. Okay, good point. That's Gigi Foster's argument that, yes, we should pursue the greater good, but this is not the greater good. You know, look at this past two years of pandemic stuff around mm. the world. The most stable and tolerant people I have met have been the religious. I was going to say that. The Muslims yeah. stuck. Well, in, I know everyone's going to say, I'm, I'm Greek Orthodox and we were terrible. Okay, everyone's got horror stories. But I found, by and large, those who were just floating around in society, good little citizens watching their sport, secular, atheists, they were terrible because they were moved by the government. Those who had strong Christian beliefs said, no, this is not right. I will not do it. Yeah. Those who had strong um, Sikhism was another mm -hmm. strong one. I've got a Sikh guy coming on to teach us about that next week. They said, no, we will not stop meeting in our temples and feeding the poor. Make us. And they just mm. quietly disobeyed. Yeah. The religious people had spine. If you don't have God, then the government is your God. Oh, it's deep. And I think that, um, yeah, a lot of people that were like me and wouldn't mask, wouldn't vax, wouldn't do what... Um, a corrupt premier was telling us to do. I didn't have any fear around that because I don't answer to Daniel Andrews. Um, I answer to God first. So 
it was a t it was tough because in church there were some people who went the other way and they would say that God has put the government over us and so therefore you need to do what the government says. However, if the government is doing something corrupt, that would be like a husband telling a wife go and steal something and you're meant to submit to your husband, well, stealing is a crime so I'm not going to go and do that. So, um, yeah, there were people that surprised me but on both sides. I had people mm. who who were atheists who wouldn't do it either. So it's it was so hard to pick it. Was but it? I, I think you were right with the religious um, people. They just weren't afraid in the same way. Maybe it's because they're not scared of dying. Well, or if you, they are, they know where they're going. I don't know. It might be that. Because the Jewish people were certainly less scared of COVID if they have a belief in the afterlife and they go to heaven and so on. But the, um, Jewish, I saw a Jewish um, interview. You know how they were being, running on the top of roofs and stuff, trying to escape? Because the police were, they were still meeting. The Jewish yeah. people were still doing that. Good on their, them. Yeah, good on them. And the police would come down and surround them. And it happened here in Melbourne. And the, they were escaping up through skylights, running across the roof, trying to escape the, from the police. Yeah. I saw an interview with a Jewish guy about this, um, what, why Jewish people are not compliant, particularly of communities. Uh, he said, because we fear God more than the yeah. government. Yeah, and it's an easy choice when you have that inside you. It's not even hard to disobey. How we have drifted from go work, go broke. Just before you move on, yeah. can I just say that with Hollywood and the movies that they're churning out, I think conservatives need to start making their own stuff. Yeah, I'm going to jump on that. I'm going to make a movie. Yeah. Um, the Daily Wire, you should go and check them out. They have uh, the Daily Wire Plus now. They have entertainment for children. They're putting out some amazing films that they're taking people who've been kicked out of Hollywood for, for standing yes. up for themselves. Yeah. And they're just starting a whole new movement. I just think let Hollywood burn and go and make your own thing. You're sounding like him. Yeah. Parallel yeah. <laughs> <laughs> society. I don't want to burn everything, but... Um, <laughs> yes, you do. Not Pyromaniac. <laughs> I need a flamethrower just to walk around life with a flamethrower. But Pyram. like if you look at Mel Gibson's... Um, what was it um, uh, passion passion movies? Yeah, they were immensely successful. Yeah. And Clint Eastwood movies are immensely successful. Yeah. I mean, um, I guess at the end of the day, it's going to be supply and demand. But a lot of it's just trough, isn't it? I mean, it's just pretty awful. Just <laughs> yeah. it's just like unwatchable. A lot of it nowadays, Hollywood. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I agree. sometimes just go back to old school movies that are not PC that they would never make now. Yeah. And just watch them again. They're yeah, great. even even not that old, like The Office yes. with Steve Carell. Yeah. Do you remember Heather's, the movie Heather's? No, hell is you. Christian Slater and um, Winona Ryder. That would never get made nowadays, you know. Yeah. Tropic anyway. Thunder. I was going to say that one. That Tropic was my Thunder. one. Never go full return. That would never get made now. Exactly. Never go full lockdown. That's what I would say. <laughs> never go full lockdown. But I hope Go Woke Go Broke. I do. Uh, well, uh, Hollywood does uh, determine a lot of our morals. and something that's been bothering me on a fantastic show called Chicago Fire. There's an interesting thing I've noticed in there that a lot of it centers around um, relationships, which is normal for a show. And one person, one of the firefighters dates another firefighter and whatever, whatever. And it's all messy. And I noticed something after watching like eight seasons of it. It's because they all have sex immediately. Oh. When, when, when one falls for the other... They have sex immediately. In the episode, it's just this thing. It's this one night stands happen constantly in this show. Okay. And they normalize like, that's normal. And then, well, now that you've slept together randomly, you don't even know. Sometimes they don't even know the name. So there's a guy in there called Severus. they wear masks, though? <laughs> <laughs> as long as they wear their masks, it's all fine. No, but they normalize this hookup culture. Yeah. And especially one character in there, Lieutenant Severus. It's so harmful. Yeah. Yes. Hookup culture. And you go, oh, that's no it's treated as normal. And I'm, I'm like, 
if you hold any kind of traditional beliefs, like you, you clearly do, saying no sex before marriage, uh, you're crazy. But then you look at what they're going through. Every episode story revolves around the stickiness of that. If yeah. they weren't sleeping to each, with each other on the very first date, sometimes without even finding their name, you'd end up with a third of the episodes of Chicago Fire would be on the gone. So is it, a pop- is it popular? A lot of people the show. watch the show? Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. And it are you saying it's because a good show, though? It's a very good show. So that doesn't detract from it? it? Of course it detracts from it. That's why I'm raising it on the People's Project. I just see, like, it's just entertainment, isn't it? And, like, people, like, just want the fantasy of all that kind of stuff. They want the fantasy of life... Um, Unrestrained, so like I can go around shooting people, shoot the bad guys in a oh, shopping centre. But it I looks like a farce when they, center. <laughs> you know, like wherever improbable. Oh, ASIO's gonna. Okay. <laughs> I didn't say shoot anyone. I just said like in the computer movies, game. They... Computer game. Exactly like a computer game. Like, yeah. No, I'm just saying that you set up a problem in some of these films and then you knock it down. But when it's that transparent. You go, you've just done a plot device in your writing that was so stupid that you've tried to normalise a bad part of our culture, I think, hookup culture. Yeah, there's like animal instincts that they're tapping into. Like there's, um, you know, sex and violence and... Our animal instincts are not the best things for us all the time. No, I, I agree. Like going to a higher level, but I don't know. I don't mind. I just think, no, it's okay. okay. It's only entertainment. You know where it all went wrong? <laughs> it all went wrong with the TV show Glee... That's what where it all started. Point? Glee <laughs> kicked it off. Oh my goodness. That's when everything went woke. If you singing. go back in time, yeah. that's when it all, yeah. That was the flagship of... Okay. Of wokeness. Yeah. That's and even some of the terms we use now were invented on that show. That's where it all went wrong. Okay. Yeah. How's that? I, I was going to say something highly inappropriate, but... Sure. The so, hottie one who drowned? Yeah. Who was that? Drowned. Was really who drowned? Sad. So three actors on that show have actually died. I know the drug owner really is yeah. the hot guy, but... Who's you talking about? I don't know. How do you like? She's Latina or something like that. Oh, I'm not into Latina. That's why. (laughs) I married a Swedish girl, so (laughs) there you go. The whiter, the hotter for me. There's a tragic (laughs) legacy with that show, but yeah. Don't lead with that, Matt. You'll come off as like some (laughs) white supremacist neo-Nazi. Yeah, (laughs) the whiter, the hotter. The whiter, the hotter from Matt. (laughs) My wife, um, because she's sweet, she's got white skin. She's like, she's nervous about it all the time. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm trying to explain to her how attractive I am. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let's talk about depressing science. <laughs> Joanna Moncrief is the senior clinical lecturer of critical and social psychiatry at University College London. I asked her whether tens of millions of people around the world have been taking antidepressants pointlessly. The original justification, which was the idea that antidepressants correct some sort of underlying chemical imbalance, particularly a deficiency of serotonin, has not been shown to be supported by scientific evidence. So, and and of course, many, many people have been told this, have been told that this is why they need to take an antidepressant. And we, we can say that actually that's not true. Okay, so if depression is not caused by chemical imbalances in the brain, which is what we've thought for decades, uh, what is it caused by? So what we've disproved is the main theory of the chemical imbalance, which involves serotonin, one of the brain chemicals. Um, There are others, but this was the main one and the one that has attracted the most research and attention. So what is depression? That's, That's a good question. And I would suggest that what this what this research suggests that we should 
stop seeing it as a brain condition and take more notice of the fact that we know that what makes people vulnerable to depression um, increases your risk of depression very strongly is having adverse life events, is suffering from child abuse or divorce uh, or um, poverty and, and debt and loneliness. All these sorts of things substantially increase your risk of uh, getting depression. And they're all things that we could help address and, and help support people to, to sort out. So are we just taking placebos? I mean, I grew up learning that antidepressants. My mum was on a lot of them and she was a doctor too. And, um, you know, you can prescribe for yourself in Australia. You can't do that in America, apparently. Can you? Yeah. Anyway, uh, so yeah, antidepressants is a chemical imbalance in the brain. This has been accepted wisdom. And now, like, unthinkable, saying that maybe it's not. The, the best thing I've seen about this is a guy called Johan Hari, your Johan, J-O-H-A-N-H-A-R-I. He does a lot of, uh, he's, a, he's a journalist and he tracks a lot of depression. What is depression around the world? And he, he's been saying for years, he's on Rogan quite a lot, presenting his research, saying that depression is quite a normal part of life in one sense. Um, and we are not good at processing sadness and it leads to a chronic problem of depression. So anyway, um, SSRIs, are we fans? I've never tried one. I've never tried one. Don't know. And I've, I've been clinically depressed a number of times, seen psychologists. I, I think this is a really interesting issue. And I think there's a kind of a big swing away from big pharma now. I think people are quite suspicious of big pharma and their intentions. And all these drugs are going to be statins, I think, will be scrutinised further. Mm, that's coming next. Because at the moment, it's only Pete Evans and friends saying they cause problems. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say they cause problems. So I'm a friend of Pete. So, um, yeah. but I, I think, well, I don't know. Or well, many others are the saying too. Just... Um, <laughs> yeah. But what causes depression? I was going to say like <laughs> the fluffies cause me depression, but um, I think like th this is an interesting area. There's obviously a biochemistry that's, that's happening around mood, and I'm not yes. a doctor. Yeah. So you are a doctor, Dr. Brendan Maloney. Yeah, Dr. B, not a medical doctor, but so I don't want to prescribe anything. What, what's your doctor in? Um, I, I, I'll, I'll, can I finish my thoughts? Oh, so, yeah, and I'll sure. tell you, yeah, I'll sure. tell you. But I just had, I was on a winner. And I wrecked it. Yeah, yeah, oh, no. So man. I did it in like higher education policy. Okay. Yeah, or kind of that area broadly. Um, depression. So depression, yeah, SSRIs. So there's an environmental... There's a, obviously a complex interplay between life experience, social experience, your environment, effects that happen. But I think one thing, this and, and biochemistry, so I'd, I wouldn't totally write this off, I don't know enough about it. But what I would say is that there's, um, I think, a lack of willingness uh, for people to emote. And I don't think now it's that easy to have uh, you know highs and lows then just kind of not socially acceptable mm. people don't want to tolerate like like for instance i was saying to somebody um you know oh my um uh, friend was killed in a car accident oh you look a bit depressed here have a have a have a ssri well actually you could understand that person being sad because if so their friend has died in a car accident, accident they're yes. grieving and going through the process it's probably going to take some time and that's normal so I think we are not adapted to the institutions and as there's a lot of pathological institutions like corporations and stuff that are so full of toxic and people with personality disorders that um, it, it would drive anyone nuts <laughs> wanted to be medicated, I think, um, just to kind of numb 
numb their experience. But I don't think that's us naturally. I think we should feel the gamut of our emotions, happiness and sadness and joy and love and, you know, hatred and stuff. And this is, again, why I worry so much about this public moral virtual signaling where it's never okay to do this or it's never okay to that. Of course it is. You're a human. You're going to be upset. You're going to be mm, frustrated. Mm. You're going to react in particular ways. And that's how we negotiate our interactions. So I think this all ties in together, in other words, Matt. I think there's a, um, a group that's anti-Big Pharma that are happy with this. There's also like uh, societal constraints on people to say, look, you can't have your feelings. And it's, it's a feedback loop. You have these feelings. They're not acceptable. Therefore, you feel bad. And therefore, you feel... Yeah. Um, you know, it goes full circle. So well, we do the same thing with like ADHD with kids in yeah. Ritalin. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The creep of we creep. It's not just for the most extreme cases. Now it's like, oh, he's a little bit fidgety in class and he can't concentrate more than three hours straight. Yeah, yeah. like he's seven. And, and the not to mention the teacher's boring as shit. Oh, so. yeah, I can't do three hours straight. <laughs> yeah. But also, they're looking for confirmatory evidence. Ah, oh, there it is. Yes, there's a fidget. But. You know, I just think there's too, there's too much um, medicalization. I think we need to go back to, to square one and think about, you know. Let's convert to Scientology. So Tom Cruise was right. You've seen him ranting on about I, psychology. I, I thought that was weird how they're kind of like, oh, Tom was right. Why is that weird? He's been saying what some people are saying now for ages, yeah, which is we're every, over-prescribing psychological of, drugs. Loads like of people have been saying that, haven't they? Yeah, I know, but he's famous. Oh. And so for years, and he's in Top Gun. And he's in Top Gun. That's what I reckon it is. It's mm-hmm. like more PR for Top Gun. But he was the weirdo of Scientology saying that SSRIs are bad. Yep. And now flipping other people are saying it. So, as a non-Scientologist, Scientologist, I'm sorry. Maybe you were right, Scientologist, about psychological drugs in some cases. Do you want to talk about what you think does cause depression or what can help it? That's not medication. Yeah, I'd be interested to hear that. I mean, I think it's twofold. I think it's a spiritual issue if you've got a lack of meaning in life. You're very spiritual Um, today. Well, I love the quote by Jim Carrey where he said, I wish everybody could get rich and famous so they can find out that that's not going to make you happy. What a good quote. Yeah. And, And how many people reach the peak of their career or what they wanted to be and then they just kill themselves because they know when they get to the top of that mountain, it doesn't satisfy. So I think there's a lack of spiritual meaning in people's lives. Um, but I also am a huge believer in um, the stomach. And Pete Evans said this to me on a live chat once. Um, I said, isn't the, the gut the second brain? And he said, no, I actually think it's the first brain. What? So, so gut flora and what you put into your body and what you eat goes up to the brain and changes your mood. Because I pre- eat pretty clean, but if I have one bit of junk food, the next day I'm just annoyed. Mm. I'm just in a bad mood. And it's... It's um, the microbiomes in your gut. And they, they do that with children with autism. If you cha- completely change their diet, they're much calmer. Behaviour changes. Massive behaviour wow, changes. Yep. I yep. find that's tr- actually for me, it's true, like in terms of the carn- um, carnivore, basically. So. Um, happier or? Ah, oh, so much happier. Oh, really? And like without the, high, like the highs and rows, lows of um, you know, carbohydrate hits and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Do you miss carbohydrates? No, not at all. Oh, really? I hate them. They're my enemy. <laughs> carbophobe, <laughs> transphobe, carbophobe. What I else know, are we today? I'm not a transphobe. No, man, we're collectively. But if they eat carbs, I'm totally... <laughs> Do you know, you might find this interesting. There was a um, randomised control trial study done in 2017 at Deakin and they gave people with major de- um, depression, they changed their diet 
um, and 33% of the people were no longer met the criteria to be depressed. 33% That's huge. That's a third. From diet yeah. change. I've heard the yeah. same from, for light exercise, going for daily walks of 20 minutes. Does wonders. If they could put in a pill what you get from exercise, oh, yes. they'd be making... I think there's a lot of people too, like I think nutrition for sure, but there's a lot of people who are isolated and lonely and stuff. Yep. That's another one. Yep. Yep. And having a nice old chat and having some social connection just lifts the mood. But this is back to what you were saying about the guy with the friend was in a car accident and, and, and had yeah. died and then was depressed. That's not a real person. I just made that up as an example. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. But that's what jo jo uh, Johan Hari talks about on, on these podcasts. Um, that's the same thing. Like you're isolated and lonely because of lockdowns or your lifestyle or maybe you just at home, work from home, live on your own, whatever. And then if you're depressed, oh, there's something wrong. We need drugs or some kind yeah. of a fix. But yeah. you, maybe it is normal to feel that way if you've been alone for 14 days. I think like if people aren't like in Victoria feeling a bit edgy after being locked down for so long, there's mm. something wrong with them. I mean, it's not normal. It's no. not natural. It's, uh, mm. it's obviously a bit devastating. So I think, um, and also like I think the global mood, I'm not kind of big into patterns and trends, but the global mood's a bit... Um, uh, gloomy as well. Absolutely. I, th I think there's the economy is pretty shocking and um, and there's not a lot of empathy. Like I saw in the the totalitarian express the other day, aka the age. Um, <laughs> it, it, the totalitarian express. Oh, no, just, I love it. They're mouthpiece for dictators, aren't they? Um, <laughs> but basically, they were saying, "Oh, no more wagyu and shiraz for people." Um, because on their mortgages, you're going to have to cut back. Mm. And I was just thinking, you guys are just clueless. You don't understand what it's like to be struggling. Mm. They're not eating Wagyu and Shiraz, you <laughs> dumbass. <laughs> they're, maybe they're just clickbaiting the headlines or whatever. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I think people have a lot of stresses. I mean, I heard relationships have really suffered because of lockdown, and why wouldn't they? And then you've got financial stresses. And there's still people in Victoria who can't work because... Um, of their one word integrity. So um, uh, you've got a lot of people doing it really tough. And I think now also with the crazy um, perverts at the World Economic Forum, they are causing a spanner in the works of most democracies and trying to undermine democracies across the world. So people are rightfully a bit worried about that. So it makes sense. Would you be a bit depressed or a bit sad? It does make sense. They really do throw spanners in the works of everything, don't they? Yeah. Okay. Uh, to, to fix things, apparently, but gee, they seem to be wrecking a lot. That was depressing science. Let's talk about fake science. And a global developing story of what could be the biggest medical scandal in decades. The Alzheimer's research that has been used to treat possibly millions of victims and the target of untold billions of dollars spent worldwide is possibly based on a fabrication. It comes down to a research paper published in 2006 by Sylvain Lesney in Nature magazine, now cited by more than 2,200 other researchers that claimed a specific protein known as amyloid beta 56 was responsible for Alzheimer's in animals 
animal tests. But replicating that research with humans proved very elusive, and a six-month investigation by Professor Matthew Schrag at Vanderbilt University with Science Magazine and Forensics Analysts now alleges that the photos in that 2006 study were potentially doctored. The investigation alleges that strains of the protein were copy-pasted and digitally replicated in the research paper. And should these allegations be proven true, it bears the question, how will Alzheimer's research recover from a decade-and-a-half-long wild goose chase and lost opportunity to find effective treatments? Are we surprised, honestly? No, not at all. There's no. a profit motive. There's a clear profit. Right, I keep yeah. on saying this in all the interviews I do. If you are Pfizer, who have already paid, <clears throat> is no longer the largest criminal fines in history. It was at the time, 05 and 15, I think it was. But um, who have already paid billions in criminal fines. And you do this vax thing on the whole world. Mm-hmm. It's worth it. I oh. don't care how many fines they get in 2026. They always make more money than the fines. The <laughs> fines are changed to them. Fine, so fine them $20 billion for they what they care. did lying about their trials about the COVID-19 vaccine. Worth it. Do it again. Yeah. Yeah, they probably would. I wouldn't. Yeah, because you've got a deontological ethic. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yes, we're, um, we're not surprised. Alzheimer's. No. Um, yeah, so basically there's a fraudulent study and um, it was in 2006 and all the all the medication that's been based off that to give to patients for Alzheimer's has turned out to be fake. So I don't know if that's but done... But profitable. But profitable. I don't know if it's uh. done more harm than good or if it's just done nothing. But um, again, I, I mean, if we're talking about Alzheimer's, I think it's a preventable disease because as they say, genes load the gun, but choices pull the trigger. So I think anybody can get Alzheimer's, anybody can get cancer. It's how you look after your body, but no one wants to hear that. And that's the same with the COVID vax. Well, so the problem is it's not a guarantee. You could do everything no. right and still get cancer. It's not, but there's side effects from medication. So um, people are just scared. And again, it comes back to the mask wearing and all of that sort of thing. Life is painful. Bad things happen. People mm. get sick. You can't you can't change the world. And that's when I talk about risky play with children as well. Mm, very important. So there has to be an element of personal responsibility that you take for your own health. And it's just easier to pop a pill. It's easier to take a vaccine instead of actually looking in the mirror and saying, I'm going to have to get sleep, get vitamin D, get good food, go to the gym. That Because it is hard work to be healthy. It's actually a hard thing to do. People we're, don't want to do it. We're going to be like Wally in that movie where we're all sitting mm-hmm. in the chairs. Bags of you love that movie. So good. Man, I still haven't seen it. I'm so oh, come sorry, man. <laughs> it's been a year and a bit. Hey, uh, so yeah. Um, what were we just talking about? Alzheimer's. 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 Yeah. Uh, so I've been talking to some of the world's leading experts in diabetes. Okay. One of them told me that Alzheimer's is really just type three diabetes. I've heard that too. Yeah. Yeah. My question is, I have a question about this: is why. Have they focused on this study on Alzheimer's? Because there's a lot of fraudulent studies. There is. And, l- and, l- yep. and this is, what, 2006 or something you're saying? Yeah. It's because this media outlet has just found a story for the day. And I think up. there's a big thing here. Because, I mean, it's interesting for me, like, um, again, I'm going to have a big play here, Dr. B. But basically you've got uh, b- budgets are shifting towards health spending. Hugely. Like, remember it was all about education and stuff, and now they've just destroyed the education industry because young people, that don't matter. So we're going to go into health. But they don't talk about it much anymore. No, not at all. Gillard days, it was, that's all gone skiing. Well, now it's all about health because yes. the baby boomers are ageing and we want to put our money where the, the, where the, votes? the, the, the votes are. So 
so a lot of it's going into health. A lot of it's about Alzheimer's, dementia. So funding is going into that direction, which is worrying because I think there needs to be a reassessment of society is not just health, not just a health system. We've got multifacets mm. of areas to fund, like children and education and education and across the board. But it worries me that these kind of reports are like, oh, okay, well, the previous studies were crap. Alzheimer's medication doesn't work. We're going to go into mRNA because everything's coming back to <laughs> mRNA. Mm. I can't help feeling cynical that or sceptical that these are all leading into kind of new domains of research that need to be propped up, uh, you know, um, in terms of health studies and things like that. So I'm very worried. I think the whole paradigm of peer-reviewed research is just an absolute worry. I think it's, yeah. again, another thing that needs to be reassessed because it's not working. But all the money pro- that's going into health, mm. is that for cure or prevention? No, it's, it's cure. for drug Mostly. companies, yeah. isn't it? It's not even for cure, really, is it? No. Yeah. So, you know, go and get your COVID vax and we'll give you a free donut. I was at the Springvale Snow <laughs> Festival. I saw that. And while you're walking around, we're walking outside, thousands of us, no mar- 80% no masks, and we're getting tickets for the Ferris wheel, we're getting Ferris floss, and then you can also, right there's a tent, you could just go and have a booster, and I saw a lot of people going in. Yeah. They've normalised that boosters is like getting Ferris floss now. Yeah. But then, you know, take away the gyms, take away yeah. um, our ability to share eggs with our neighbours, take ridiculous. away walking around the street one hour a day. There I just, should have been a tent of exercise there. You've been in this queue for yeah. ages, you want to come in and do some star jumps or whatever. Yeah, no. and then isolate everybody and, and, you know, people want to eat more junk food, they want to drink more. And, and it's, it's focused on cure, just pop this tablet. Daniel Andrews doesn't care about our health. He does not care at all because if he did he would not have taken away all those things that make us healthy. It was not just Daniel Andrews, it's around the world. I, know, I just got a beef with him at the yeah, moment. I can tell. Yeah. I, think, uh, I reckon a lot of these studies just make you, like all the contradictory messages, like you said, go and get a booster and get a donut or something. Or You <laughs> highlighted that to me when I first met you I a year did. ago. Yeah, yeah, I and did. just staying apart keeps us together. And yeah, all that. yeah, all those <laughs> contradictory, like the double bonds that they would say, and, you yeah. know. Um, that, uh, they've kind of laid off that a little bit, haven't they? But, um, it just makes you want to shut down and say, no, no more. I am just don't want to deal with any of it. Because all, there's just too much rubbish around, isn't there? Uh, I am about to drop an interview for everyone with a, a medical journalist who was responsible for writing the clinical education for doctors around the pandemic. So teaching them that they're safe and effective. She was wow. the, doing, writing the propaganda for them, right? Wow. Well-intentioned, like she doesn't believe that she contributed. To them. She, she's saying there's something wrong with the system and whistleblowing. But anyway, she is uh, in UK and she's saying in the UK, Australian UK, and she's saying in the UK, the largest employer, full stop. Do you know who the largest employer is in the UK? Is it's it not NHS, Amazon. Is it? It's NHS. Yeah, right. So she's saying when it's like in here, it's not like our well, public health, service is big. Health as an industry is the largest employer in Australia. So we're heading that way. So she says over there that when you say protect the NHS, it's equivalent of saying protect England. People, because wow. it's everyone's job. Hmm. Scary times. Let's not head that way. Let's do news without notice. All the things that we couldn't fit in earlier. <laughs> All right, so news without notice. Uh, what is this sign? So I was, at, as I said, I was at the Springvale Snow Festival and I was walking back to my car. Look at this. It's literally a bent over sign in Springvale, which is like Cabramatta for those in Sydney watching, uh, saying Australian government, a national building project economic stimulus plan. 
doesn't say anything. Economic stimulus plan, supporting jobs and rebuilding our infrastructure for the future, australia.gov.au. Do you know how much this sign costs? For me to make a sign like that might cost hundreds of dollars to get it made. For a government, it's going to be all these rules and stuff. It probably costs them $1,000 to erect a sign to say nothing. The propaganda is not just on the internet, people. Mm. It's in signs, in polls, on the ground, and in Springvale. This is what we're paying for. All right, what about this? This is some good news. Commonwealth Bank. Yes. Yes. What happened to the mandates? Who's going to protect us now? I keep getting surprised. And by, they said yeah. you don't even need to do rat tests if you're unvaccinated. Yeah. They it's are like, it's reckless like they just stay health. on the train, they stay on the train, and then they're like, let's get off this train. And they just drop everything. Probably sure the staff. There'll be a, a selfish reason. Probably. Isn't it surreal? Like it, it went is. from such an intensely negative kind of stigmatizing environment and shame, shame, and you're selfish people and all this to like, oh, it's okay. Everything's good now. <laughs> like don't, I find it like creepy. Like yeah. just like. Yeah, robots. Yeah, they're like, it's kind of like a robot response. I remember Jab Bank. <laughs> What's Jab Bank? Yeah. NAB turned their turned logo to into Jab. They, they did yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like during the propaganda. During yeah. the Queens. Like, and at Woolworths, it kept, Woolworths, it kept saying, don't forget to boost, but that's the card for the points. Boost your points when you shop, but it was a play on oh, get your booster. Like, they all jumped on board. But, but ja that's the scariest one, Jab Bank. I think that's all. Like, it's all this kind of weird thing, like, okay, uh, you feel kind of afraid. No, don't feel afraid. But, yeah. you know, like, yeah, told me to feel, feel afraid. afraid. Yeah. And then... That's okay. Well, Karen Phelps and epidemiologist and Professor Erwin Lowe and yep. Brett Sutton, they're all still out there saying, this is wrong, we should need to mandate masks. So they're actually fighting yeah. for this. And that fear voice has kind of dying down a little bit. And then I don't know where people are at, but um, I mean, again, it's, this is just bizarre to me. And I don't think they should have ever been in place to, uh, anywhere, but um, how can you just switch, flick a switch like that? I've seen that in my colleagues. Yep. Um, so I was the first person to get COVID. I've had it three times. I had it in September 2020 and we were on a Zoom and I told them and their faces were deadpan. They said, make sure you've got an ambulance on speed dial. Make sure you're checking your oxygen levels. They were terrified. Ambulance on speed dial. <laughs> I know. Like an eight hour. That's, that's not triple O in Victoria. But I couldn't snap them out of it. I was joking around with them saying, I'm totally fine. And they were absolutely terrified because they didn't know anybody with COVID yet. Oh, yeah. So then now they're just taking it in terms of getting what we call the spicy flu. <laughs> And they're all laughing about it. Oh. I've got the Rona, it's my turn. And they all think, you know, no, you know, pick a new Netflix to watch. And they find this quite um, almost funny now, it's my turn. Mm. And I'm thinking, but that's how I felt when I first got it. But you tried to put so much fear in me. Mm. And now they don't see how it's frustrating for me that they're joking around about it. But people have changed. They have definitely changed their attitude. Which is why it. they can't get mask mandates up or anything up now. Lockdown. No. Try and do a lockdown. It's Please even, try, Daniel. Yeah. Please it's even try. recommended that, that we work from home, but where I work in, at Buenos in the office now. So they've completely changed. Well, mind. it's kind of, in a way, I, I read a meme somewhere, but, but generally on the fact that you, we've found out the kind of evil dudes and the kind of weird ones around, haven't we? Like, yes. they've kind of stood out yes. like, like a sore thumb in... Um, in the community, though. In the community. And now you just know, like... So many knobs. <laughs> so many knobs. <laughs> You're surrounded by so many knobs. Yeah. Because that's been the scariest thing for me. It's not been nab jab bank. It's yeah. been discovering the normal people yeah. turn into complete Nazis. I know. Like the, that's the terrifying aspect of human behavior. And it's like the, the Milgram experiment. You know, like I just think there's this, um, 
thing that authoritarians like the Grand Lizard can tap into that just turns people into like... It's just bizarre. a reminder the Grand Lizard is Daniel Andrews in Dr. Beast. Oh, I can't say, <laughs> I can't say yeah. that word. But that's true. I have been more terrified by the average Melbourneian's behaviour than the actual government. Cause, yes, for sure. Because governments are going to govern. They're going to mm, want power. Yeah, but the average person around me just complying and now almost... You know, isn't the ABC pushing for masks to come back? Yes. So, yeah. so Dan's taking his hands off the wheel and this thing's a Tesla now. It's just driving yeah, itself. Yeah. Like, it's sickening. Yeah. yeah. I think people, like, really, uh, they need to see that risk is an element of society. Like, you can't be saved from everything. Like, oh. if you... Yeah. It's just so, like, into safety and security. And that's not what um, life's about. It's a journey and you take some risks and you do... Um, you know, you don't have to have um, fake medicine to make you feel better about yourself. You know? I read a good uh, article about tradies having yeah. a uh, lower um, susceptibility to the fear propaganda. Mm. Uh, it was an academic type article. And the theory was that they spend their lives managing risks. Mm. Mm. So you work in an office. Mm-hmm. It's not that risky. No. Maybe someone steals your lunch or treats you poorly in the drink room. But when you're a tradie and you're mm. on a roof, mm. so they become very good at risk management and mm. more comfortable with it, like mm. what you're talking mm. about. Mm. So the theory was that those who are more um, good at risk management um, were able to do the same with this virus. Now, this this next image, I can't remember what it is. Um, oh, okay, so this is a great thread for everyone to look at. So uh, Matthew Guy has been outed as, not corrupt, he's been outed as um, his chief of staff, Mitch Kane, whatever his name is, has to resign because... Uh, a, long, a long while ago, the chief of staff was asking for $100,000 a year to be given by a wealthy Liberal Party donor, which of course can be seen as corrupt because it would technically give him access through to the Premier because of the chief of staff, whatever, whatever. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> on today's episode of how, we're not going to swear today, of how mm. is your government, we have Shifty Party A, so that's Daniel Andrews' party, saying that Shifty Party B, that's uh, Liberal Party in Victoria, should be investigated by the Anti-Corruption Commission, IBAC, because Shifty Party A believes that Shifty Party B are involved in breaches of the state's donations laws. And you go through and you read this whole thread, it's ridiculous. It's just shifty everywhere. And at the end of the thread, it's just saying, hey, um, here's a hot tip. Don't be shifty. Can I say might be kids watching. I'll say bastards. Bastards. Don't be shifty <laughs> bastards. It's that simple. Disclaimer. Shifty party A and shifty party B's real identities have been hidden. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, pot kettle black is an I mean, seriously. It's not the same thing, though. Daniel Andrews is way more corrupt mm. than Matthew Guy. Yeah. Way. I mean, look, look demonstrably. Yeah. This is not my opinion. This is flipping Kel Glare and all them to pointing. It's the age. The age are now pointing out the yep. corruption. Yep. The ombudsman. Crikey. Back. Um, Crikey's pointing it yeah, out. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And they want to go after Matthew Guy now for this contract that was never signed and whatever. I'm like, I'm not here to defend Matthew Guy. I think they're a little bit shifty, but Daniel's very, very... The Grand Lizard is very, very shifty. Yeah, I think, well, it's projection of a lot of this, isn't it? And it's like you know, having um, massive amounts of corruption and then looking at a at an issue and kind of focusing and honing in on that and being distracted and stuff. I think Matthew Guy needs to chillax a bit. I think he needs to come across with a bit more of a um, layback can-do persona. I think 
Well, an interview on my couch would help him do that, right? Yeah, I think yes. you, you should be on here for sure. Thank that's, you. That's um, definitely. Because I've invited him, but he hasn't responded. Yeah, I just, I just think like um, he looks very distraught most of the time and a bit on edge. And, you know, he's dealing with a nasty piece of work, but he has to rise above it, sail, surf through the election and kind of... Um, show that he's his own man and yeah, I don't think getting caught up in this kind of stuff is the way to go he should have just he needs to power it. dress he needs to wear darker suits he's wearing sort of he's lime and being soft white and yeah he needs to put on some bold colors be a bit, bit, yeah, yeah man up a little bit yeah liberals are not good at standing up like you suggest labor are brilliant at it they just bolt they just buffed through it it's amazing so look overall the realities in Victoria that uh <laughs> the most corrupt government we've ever seen, the Daniel Andrews government, has referred Matthew Guy to IBAC, um, the Ombudsman, yep. the AFP, and there was I think there was five things he referred him to. Uh, oh, Vic Police, that's four, and someone else. They're immediately trying to say, he's corrupt, he's corrupt, he's corrupt. My, my opinion, and it's not the view of the People's Project, but the IBAC's a joke, isn't it? I mean, it's just like a... Um, what have they done? They haven't done anything. There's glaring, glaring corruption. There's a guy who owns, owes Melbournians, not just the 1.3 million or whatever it is, but for all of the wasted money on social media that he's used to propagate his cold of personality, all this kind of waste on public advertising, fear campaigns, millions and millions of dollars that he needs to pay back. And also the the profligate waste in public spending and projects and things like that and a new arts and all of this is crap the guy is is shonky as shonky comes so <laughs> he couldn't lie straight in bed yeah this guy's so bad i mean so i'm, I'm impressed so what is ibac doing i mean what on earth i mean i, I was he reading, stacked it you know that and i saw adam somrak was talking about that IBAC is more a security watchdog for <laughs> for the Grand Lizard than than anybody, but but they're not doing their job. And IBAC's a joke. That's all I want to say. That's but, Dr. B's opinion. That's his opinion. But look, I can say this though: it's pretty obvious that a number of our institutions in Victoria have been stacked more so than in in other states. So well, they're uh, like the minister, respect. Daniel's minister, very good at it. Minister of Equality, who's been appointed as a a partner of his chief of staff. So. I think th there's yeah, a lot of cronyism going on. Yeah. Yes. Now, you'd, you'd think that uh, the Liberals would be better at cronyism and, and corporate corruption. So. Yeah, and in New so, South Wales, there's a bit of that going around. John yeah. Barillard. Yeah, he, he's, he's a good advocate of that. <laughs> um, I mean, do you think he should have got his trade job? He made The job he created for yeah, himself. Yeah, in New York, the 500,000. No, 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 no. That's, that's finished. Oh, yeah, no, he's uh, anyway, um, they got nothing on Labor. If you, you if mad props, man. Labor are fantastic. No, Labor in Victoria. Labor in the other states, lightweights. Labor in Victoria, amazing. That's news without notice. Do you have anything you want to add? Any new last minute insertions? Not that I can think of. This was a long show. Thank you for joining us. Uh, these two legends, hopefully we'll be back again at some point in the future because this is one of the most fun people's projects I've done in a long time, mainly because we didn't have to be as serious. Do you feel like... Did you, did you enjoy yourself? You I like absolutely loved it. I love being here, Matt. Yeah. I think you're a legend. I think you. I love being with EJ too. She's good. It was a good mix today. Yeah. Look, yeah. I am a big EJ fan. So yeah, I've loved it. Okay. And now that we've announced all of our conversions to Scientology, we shall sign off from the show. Make <laughs> sure to support us at discernible.locals.com. If you're watching this content and enjoying it, why are you not funding it? We're, we're going to run out of money at some stage. Hey, uh, I've got to end the show with a quote. We're going to end with a quote, but I never prepare it. I keep on forgetting. Do you want to do a quote? 
Feels I, good quote. I want people to send in ideas for you to name your chickens. I think you should put the call out to get the best names. We've got Caramel, Black Sauce and I can't remember what the other name was. Matt, Matt has three chickens that he hasn't Sneed. named yet. If anyone can come up with some good names, and you've DM got some him. chickens coming up as well, haven't you? You're you get chickens. You're I'm, I'm thinking about getting chickens. I'm just going to wait till November 26 and make my decision. Oh wow! I don't really you, want to invest yet. Because yeah, but you're, you own your house. You have to, this is amazing. How can you be young woman, which I know for a fact, many, many, many people are attracted because they tell me they go, "Who is this?" Where's this conversation going? <laughs> oh my god! There's a lot of viewers who who say because that they. They know that you're single, right? Okay. Yeah, and they go, who is this hobby? I actually have a date tonight. I'm going to um, the movie, Tom Cruise. Oh. oh, the Top Gun movie. Yeah. Yeah, enjoy that. But my okay. dates don't work out usually. That's my, I'm just picky. Well, there's a lot of viewers who like you. All right, so quote, um, <clears throat> lies are always told with a straight face. It is the truth that is told with a dismissive giggle.